that kind of I'm in a sensitive yet playful movie because the colors are orange and green. Yeah. <laughs> You're popping. Pablo, Christian, and Dave. And the date is what? It's sometime in April, early pandemic. 24th of April, to be exact. And you guys were singing. What? Uh, go ahead. Go ahead with that. You have to remember, Crable uh, and I uh, were members of a cult growing up. That's and right. so yeah, we to were continue our last conversation. Many things. <laughs> yeah, Dave, we both share the distinction of having been in two separate independent cults with Crable. <laughs> Oh my God! That means I'm, I'm the two timer. You're the cult nexus. You're culty. Wow! Yeah, it's true. Like, what can I say? I was primed from an early age. Yeah, your family is kind of a cult in itself. Exactly. You know my family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, here goes the pandemic. Is just according to Michael Osterholm. It's just a warm-up to this point. Oh, God. Dave, oh, I listened to his his podcast, and woo-wee, was that sobering. Yeah, he's the... he and, and he's been doing that, I don't know, 20 years or more that I've been hearing him occasionally on M NPR, and and it scared, it scared the shit out of me then. And actually, I think it scares the shit out of me a little bit less now having heard this stuff for a long time, but now that it's coming true, it's, uh, <laughs> now that the nightmare, yeah. but I'm still awake. Yeah. Where did pops go? I'm here. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you not see me or hear oh, me? Oh, okay. I got, I had a different view. Yeah. This, I'm still getting used to the zoom thing. Yeah. Zuma Luma. But I, I, you know, I'm glad that you introduced us to this because this is what the world is doing, right? This is our way of being with the rest of the world. And yeah, I mean, it's joining. one of the things. I think the quality on this is actually a little better than FaceTime for whatever reason. The audio quality. I'm he hearing a lot of clicking from you, Pops. I think. Really. Or I don't know. when it switches over to you, have you got it on some kind of a thing where it uh, it cuts off your sound when you start talking, or or when other people start talking? I don't think so. Is it better now? Now you're quieter. Now I'm quieter, but um, does it? Are you hearing the clicks in the quiet? Uh, yeah, it's like that you've got some kind of a a, a level of uh, noise gate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, what it oh, is. Now I you sound great. Really? Yeah. Oh, maybe I was not close enough to the mic. Yeah, I think you've got some kind of a noise gate going. Well, anyway. I wonder if it's uh, built in there, because I have a little bit of compression on there, but I wonder if the signal's too hot that's coming in. Mm, yeah, whatever. But you think this sounds better? Yeah, yeah, it sounds better. Okay. How do I sound, guys? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm curious uh, because I'm doing a lot of uh, work meetings on these things. So the I want it to sound right. Yeah, it sounds good now. Good. All right. Scintillating conversation for our many listeners. <laughs> um, we bring the entertainment. Oh, yeah. My friend Anna, I, I told my friend Anna in, uh, in Germany 
that we had a podcast and and she said, "Oh, I want to hear it." And so um she went uh, and and then she said, "I didn't I did not understand it. What were you talking about?" <laughs> I said, "Well, kind of nothing. I don't know, nothing. Everything." <laughs> yeah, Stephanie uh listened to a little bit of it and uh she um was perplexed. <laughs> She said, well, what do you, is, does it, do you guys eventually talk about like a topic? And I was like, no, no, not really. We don't do that topics. Too much focus for us. <laughs> topics are for amateurs. <laughs> yeah, people who can't ramble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what you got, I'll, I'll tell you what I was up to uh, for the last two days. I went down a, an elf hole over here. Right which, is, which is that um, I'm writing a James Bond theme. Mm. <laughs> Did you bring us in, in on it with the podcast? Oh, it it's it's unfinished work. I don't want to share it yet. Although okay. I did play it for what I had so far for Kathy yesterday. And, and, I, and then I regretted it because she was like, hmm, yeah, 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 oh, that's good. And then I felt... <laughs> really ashamed and thought I'm yeah. never going to play this for anybody, but I love it because it's just a banger. You know, it's like one of those that starts really quietly and eerie. It has this eerie little thing. And then there's a, there's a chord structure that goes into, that goes with bond. It's dun, 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 dun. you know, those three chords. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of worked into the song and then it gets gone in the chorus. It's just, a, it's, a big soaring chorus and it's about loss and blood and you know super gothic and i i i'm kind of trying to cover all the bond tropes okay i have a question for you where is your bond movie set is it like a caribbean vibe are we in russia well where he goes everywhere bond? like in in any given movie he might be in five different cities istanbul and milan and london yeah. and you know he, it, it always bounces between london and someplace else and then they send him to hong kong or whatever yeah so yeah there are always yeah, but, many venues but but where's where does the most of the action take place is it speedboat? in my song i don't know no there's no there's no location no i, I mean in your bond movie in help the you Bond know, movie build, in my head? Yeah, let's build this out. I mean, I'm really interested. Like, what's going There's, on? Like, like, like I say, there is no, there is no location. It's, it, it's just a, it's a, it, the location is love, You're love gone wrong, love, love. love you know, this is a song about, and that, and that's another trope is that Bond, you know, sort of leaves all these beautiful women in his wake, many of them dead. Yeah. Know? So um, let me ask you this, Dave. Um, what's your favorite Bond movie? Like if you were going to pick, you know, sort of archetypal Bond from all of the Bonds, which Bond would you Bond? Well, I mean, that that's a really tough one because there are many Bonds for one thing. And a what's lot of people, favorite? well, my favorite is Dan Daniel Craig. I actually really like the, really? the latest Bond. Yeah, I, I like the tortured soul Bond. Um, a lot of people 
you know, it's between Roger Moore and, and Sean Connery and, uh, there's a range. You don't get a lot of George Lazenby's or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Or uh, well, Pier- Pierce Brosnan. I liked Pierce. Pierce Brosnan, actually. I thought he was great. Yeah, yeah. And he's more of a, a goofy Bond. I mean, you know, there's there's always an Bond. element of of goofiness to the Bonds and kind of like bad jokes, bad like dad jokes. Um, and that's kind of the, the Sean Connery Bond. Um but you know the cheeky, the cheekiness uh, so comes the, through the in, in some bond, of the bonds more. The new bond that's coming out. Um, who is the bond? So a woman, yeah. Well, it, no, it's going to be. I think it's Daniel Craig's last one, but I think this is the changing of the guard somehow, where yeah. maybe he yeah, gets but killed the new or something. Bond, but, uh, uh, a lady. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know that it actually happens during this movie, or maybe it happens during this movie that it becomes a lady. Or I don't. Yeah, I don't know. What's the name? You of tell the, me. Uh, is it M six? What's the name of the head of the? M I five. M I five. Yeah. Yeah, but what's Judy Dench's name? What's her? She died in in Skyfall. Uh, yeah. Who replaced her? Uh, one of the Fanes, Fane Ralph. Rolf, Fane, or whatever you, yeah. Does she, does she have her a, a name that that role is there a designated name for that? M, I think it is. Oh yeah, that's it. M, M, and Billie Eilish wrote the new theme song. Yeah, right, right. Which is, I think, kind of a mediocre one. It, she and her brother wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's okay. It's a it's a good one, but uh, well, I thought they'd set the new Bond, but I they're not. I'm not seeing it anywhere on the worldwide interweb. Oh, it's well, that was the thing. I, I saw some article about how you know they're delaying the release of it. Um, yeah, and there was some article that popped up, and that's that was what prompted me to. Oh, I thought, oh, I got that. That could be a project, a challenge. Write my write a Bond theme. That sounds fun. You know who the new Bond is, of course, Doctor Fauci. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a perfect Bond. Bond. <laughs> you lost me there, Frames. What's the <laughs> or connection? What? I yeah. don't. How 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 is he Bond like? New Bond. How is he Bondian? He's he's deploying his very special skills against a powerful enemy. Oh, there you go. Okay, I see what you're saying. You're saying <laughs> there's some element of subterfuge or spycraft in in Dr. Fauci's work. <laughs> is that accurate? <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Yeah, well, I don't know. We're going down an elf hole, guys. Yeah, I think we are going down an elf hole. But I think it's, um, I mean, in terms of an enemy, a worthy, evil force that's hard to control, that, you know, crosses boundaries. Like Dave was saying, you know, you could be in Milan, you could be in 
Budapest to be, I mean, all, it, it crosses all boundaries. Wasn't Spectre the name of the evil organization in the Bond movies? That was in, yeah, in some of them, some of them. Now it's... Uh... So you're saying the coronavirus is Spectre or are you saying the Trump administration is Spectre? Oh, I would, I was, I was thinking more the coronavirus. I see. You personify it. And the, and that Fauci is our is our hero, not necess- not necessarily that he's employing spycraft or subterfuge. He's employing special skills. Now the old Bond had to do spycraft and subterfuge. The new Bond has a microscope, has um, connections across borders with other scientists. I got you. It's you know just, what I'm yeah, I got you. I got you. I just I don't know if it's me, if it's the morning, if it's the elf hole, but I got you. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a tortured metaphor, but I like that you're trying to go go there. Hey, man, we're just pitching ideas here <laughs> in this writer's room. Dream with pitching. me. Yeah, come on, build it, build it out. Loving. Say yes, and brothers. Yes, <laughs> and. Don't block my dream. No, I'm not. not dream blocking. No dream blocking. <laughs> How about you guys? What kind of elf holes have you gone down over the last week? Uh, I've been working a little and uh, started watching Silicon Valley, which uh, was not quite as funny as I was hoping. Um, and uh, hung out with Oliver and Stephanie. Tonight is game night. Um, we played D&D last week. And, played um, what? D&D. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But uh, I think Stephanie hated it. <laughs> And Oliver's a little young. We're playing again tonight. We'll see how it goes. What uh, What's Stephanie into? What What does she really like? No, Dave. No. <laughs> <laughs> no? Yeah, that's my answer. I mean, she likes being outside. She likes bike riding. She likes hiking. And uh, she likes literature and, um, you know. What, uh, yeah. What's she reading right now? What kind of bush, books does she like? I don't know what she's reading. I mean, you know, she's a very busy mom. So also she said, um, I told her I was going to talk about her on the podcast. And she was like, don't you dare. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about you. <laughs> and the great thing is she's never going to listen to it. So she's never going to know. And then I can pretend that I said all these deep, dark secrets about her. And uh, she won't know because she'll never listen to the podcast. <laughs> but she huh. likes Battlestar Galactica. She was just rewatching Battlestar Galactica the other day. So, you know, she's she's just working a lot. She's working a lot and momming a lot. And that's a lot. Yeah. Well, just momming is a lot. Yeah. So I'm told. Yeah. Although she's an amateur. She's only got one. Kathy's got, <laughs> Kathy's got three. I suppose. And a dog. I, I think, do you think in some ways three is easier? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it is. Um, I mean, you're a solo dad. Ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was easier when I, when Eli had his air sets, brother, brothers and sisters over at the house. Yeah. Um, they required less attention, but a kind of a different kind of attention, you know, kind of keep them, out of trouble. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Uh, you would have been easier. I had, this is not an area I have any expertise in. Well, I mean, you have one kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you definitely, you have more expertise than I do. I have no kids. You mean that being a mother? Well, at, at one versus two or three, had you ever thought, man, if I just had another kid, it would be easier? Well, you know, I tell you what, that is a very, I don't know, it's a very um, highly individual question, you know, because it depends on the kids you have, it depends on the parent you have. I mean, sure. all these kinds of fits are so different. I, you know, I ran summer fun camp. So from the time that McKenna was born till about uh, maybe when she was eight or nine, every summer, usually starting in May, going into August, May, June, July, August, yeah, four months a year, I had other kids. So I had up to 10 or 11 kids, five hours a day. Yeah. So, you know, that was something. Yeah, that's something. That was something. It just, it, it, it orients you differently in terms of leadership. It's, it's such a, I, I find it really interesting. It's an interesting question because, um, you know, trying to, trying to lead and trying to provide and relate to one person versus a group of people. It's just a very different dynamic. That's, you know, that's, that's really interesting that you see you, you, couched it in the term leadership because that's very true that you you go from becoming a dad to becoming or a, a parent to becoming a leader as soon as you get two or more then mm -hmm. suddenly you there's a, kind of a hierarchy that appears and and you have to be the boss huh well i mean you can like when i had a bunch of kids and of course i've taught school and I've done a lot of um, teaching of groups of people and as soon as you are the point person to a group of people then it's just a it's just in some ways it's a lot easier it's less intimate it's more dynamic in terms of moving time forward at like it's a project versus one person it's a relationship yeah right right Dave it's it's a constant relationship instead of a project yeah <laughs> yeah because no kid wants to be a project right yeah right right they just want to be a people yeah there's yeah back and forth and yeah. yeah and and kind of dropped in you know not playing a role i mean okay. i think i think it's hard actually i i i think one-on-one -on -one is maybe I don't know. They're both they're both hard, and they both have their kind of sweet spots, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I found it difficult, and I've said this many times before that I it's, I did not like being a dad. I mean, I liked I kind of yeah I I liked being a dad of an infant and a small child, but it just kept on getting better, and it's better now that Eli is a child of twenty four years. Um than it was when he was a child of five. Um, there wasn't like a period like, yeah, I loved being a dad up until he was four, then I hated being a dad until he was 12, and then I liked being a dad again. Well, definitely when he was like 10 to 12, or, or no, 10 to uh, 14, actually. 
um, <laughs> when he got in trouble with the law. Um, he was, that, that was a dark period. Uh, but yeah, all kids. I've, uh, did McKenna kind of drop out of humanity for a couple of years there at age 12, 13, 14, 15? I don't know. You know, people always worry about the high school years. It's really middle school, man. Middle school. Yeah, is that was Eli. Yeah. Yeah. It was that terrible. Why? You're coming right up on that, Pablo. Yeah, I know. I know why though. Why, why did you feel like that? That's just when kids are are testing their legs at being independent and being adults, and they and suddenly they become little know-it-alls, and they are going through hormonal hormonal changes, and uh, and just become brooding and awful, and uh, and <laughs> I think that they're they're also kind of scared um, because suddenly they're they're entering a world of uh, you know these scary new uh, relationships with their peers you know it's no, it's no longer it, it, suddenly the sexes are delinea- delineated uh, a yeah. lot more um, and there becomes and sexuality starts becoming a thing um, it's not just kids playing on the playground it's suddenly like flirting and who's going with who and and all that kind of the, the, all that scary stuff and um yeah, I mean, you remember your middle school years? They were terrible. I, well, for me, they were. I don't. You guys were in a cult, though. That's right. And that I shel- wasn't in sheltered a you. I don't know. When's middle school? Fifth to something. Sixth to ninth. Like sixth. Oh yeah, and I, for us, it was seven to nine, right? Yeah, that was prime cult years. <laughs> Must have been easier. <laughs> For me, I had a great middle school time because it was actually pre-children's theater and I was at a different theater and I kind of left my family in a way and was taken in by nurturing, wonderful, semi-healthy, but very good, respectful people. So I, I think, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the original family. And I think that kind of in a tribal way, if you have a lot of extended family, it's better during that time because you get to you get to differentiate from your parents by going towards other adults. Like if you have aunts or grandma in the house or grandpa, you can attach to those folks and at a time when you really do need to start pushing away from your parents. Yeah, yeah, and and kids have the impulse that that impulse is very obvious when they when you get to that age they they start becoming resentful of you and not wanting to be yeah. around the parents and, the, and yeah. they that's when the separation is happening. That's when they're testing yeah. their legs as independent humans. And, and if they don't have any, but other they need options, some other adults, yeah, in their lives. Yeah, they do because otherwise the lying starts the lying they have to you know instead of just going to be safe with other adults or in other cultures like i got to go to orno ensemble theater and i had three extended family kind of dads who looked after me in that whole scene in maple plain minnesota it was a really great theater and i got to build and do and spend a lot of time there. I was really well loved and taken care of and respected there. And um, my parents knew where I was. That's where I was. But 
my daughter didn't have that extended family experience. And so she and her peers did a lot of what she called some of the best years of her life because she had independence. She had adventures. She stretched her wings and her limits. I didn't know any of that at the time because she was lying to me. <laughs> really? What were, yeah, her, but, what were her adventures? Where, where was she? Go- yeah, like give, give us some was, highlights. Um, well, she, she got to know St. Paul. <laughs> we don't live in St. Paul. Um, she had a friend who lived in St. Paul. Where in St. Paul? This is an important question. <laughs> Over by um, Hamlet. Okay, so. At the time, she was going to the Friends Quaker School. Yeah. And um, she, they would take the bus. They would explore St. Paul. They would meet groups of kids. I didn't know any of this. I thought she was just over at Reese's and that her Reese's parents were watching her. I yeah. like your fear of St. Paul. It's very funny. Being a St. Paul boy. I've yeah. Done. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's just that I don't know it at all. And I didn't know that she so, was learning yeah. it. The mean, the mean streets of St. Paul. <laughs> Up, up by the fairgrounds. Yeah. You know, ultimately, thank God, she had um she has all these adventures to remember that would have given me a heart attack had I known that it was happening. And she got lucky, you know, she got really lucky. She didn't have any terrible things happen to her that yeah. I know of. I don't know. What do you what about you, Pablo? What was your middle school like? You were at open school? No, uh, middle school, I was at CTC. I went to Highland when I was at CTC. And I, uh, you know, um, all cult jokes aside, I had a great experience. Uh, my, um, you know, it was like a family to me. And then, um, and uh, I loved and admired many of the teachers there. Many of the adults I came into contact with were uh, very positive, um, supportive people. And, um, and it was great. And then I was also at the Guthrie, you know, for about a year. So that was another sort of middle school thing. I was a child actor and that's where I was sort of making my, my first money when I was a kid. Have you got some and, pictures from back then of you, you as a child actor at the Guthrie? Uh, yeah. Probably. Oh, dude, yeah. I have got to see some of those. <laughs> got to see some of those. <laughs> I'll see, I'll do a quick search, see if I can find something. But um, yeah, so, and then I was in bands after that and went to open school and that, you know, the band that I was in was like family and it was, it was great, really great. Yeah. So I, you know, um, I don't think, I mean, when I was younger growing up in Chicago up until the time I was about 10, that was rough. Those were rough times. And uh, once we moved here, things started to get a lot better because of those extended groups, you know? Um, so it's all been a plus since then. I know. wonder what the kids who are in that phase right now will do in order to fulfill their need to explore and push boundaries and create their own lives. I have, I have a piano student right now who is, you know, I have a few of them that are hitting that spot. And I wonder what they'll yeah. do, you know, dig yeah. tunnels out of their houses. <laughs> well, I see a lot of them out in the street right now. Um, at least in my neighborhood, there are still kind of gangs of kids going around together. And 
which is a little bit troubling, but, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure they could be brothers and sisters, or maybe they have decided on their own little pod. Their families have mutually decided that they would have pods together. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I see, I live right here next to, uh, uh, what's, what's the name of the school? Washburn. Um, and in the parking lot, there's always gathering. It, well, one of the things that's kind of cute is that um, the high school kids um, circle their cars. They back up their, their cars in a, a big circle. Um, you know, like, uh, and they're pretty far apart from each other. You know, each car is maybe, I don't know, 15 feet up, apart, and all, all their rear ends are, are faced towards the center. And then they all sit on the tailgate or sit, like, in the trunk. Adorable. And just talk to each other. Yeah. And that's, I'm sure it's going on right now as we speak. Um, I'm sure there's a circle or two happening in the parking lot over there. But um, were they doing that before the lockdown or? No, no, it was new. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you see kids out in the, on on the sport field, you know, throwing balls and Frisbees and things like that too. And um, yeah. So I think the kids are still socializing um and they're also used to socializing online like we are doing right now maybe not zoom but uh but they've got a a large part of their social life already is online so so that's what i got to say about that (laughs) me being the expert in teen behavior (laughs) how old are the kids that kathy has uh, she's got a 16 year old Henry and then, uh, uh, six and an eight year old Joey right. and Rosie. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's quite a span going there. Um, yeah. And he, it's, it's kind of nice cause Henry is kind of an airsats parent, kind of a half, a half a parent to the, to the little, yeah. little kids. Um, so that, that helps when all three of them are there. But the, the two little kids just fight like mad all the time. <laughs> um, and that is a little bit stressful. Yeah. Um, and especially them now being shut shut in. Uh, it's quite a crucible for uh, excitement amongst the kids. Well, we drew up a, uh, a schedule because I offered to provide childcare services during these strange times and uh so we drew up a schedule and i essentially have oliver on tuesday afternoon so last tuesday uh we we i always try and get him on a long walk and then he got very excited about a sewing project so we we made a fish a stuffed animal fish that he designed and helped sew and all that other kind of stuff he named him Roger. roger Yeah, Roger the fish. And as Oliver says, accurately so, he's kind of derpy looking. (laughs) Define derpy. You know, it's a hack job. I'm a hack seamstress that I'm (laughs) hack, you know. So I could only do my best, which is not very good. So you, you know how to thread a sewing machine and all that kind of stuff? I know how to sew by hand. I know how to thread a sewing machine. I have a sewing machine. You do? So, yeah. Yeah. 
I can sew, um, you know, pillowcases, I think is about as sophisticated as my sewing. I can do hems. I can hem things. Wow. Um, That's impressive. And you own a sewing machine. (laughs) Pobs owns a sewing machine. That's... Also, and actually, Dave, you would be interested in this. I, I make what I call butcher bags because the I butcher the job so poorly. But um, I started out basically sewing um, uh, tarp, polypropylene tarp. And then I have um, aircraft cable and clamps. So they're these sort of, I'll show you one. I'll go grab one. But uh, And then I started moving to um, bonding tape and Cuban fiber, and I've made these. I was making my own wallets, but that that uh, that stopped. Anyway, oh. just kind of fun little projecty things. I'll go get one. I'll show you. Okay, see you, Pops. I'll show you my butcher bag. There he goes. I can see him leaning over something, going through some things. He's brought one back. It's purple. I'm- Presenting one of my butcher bags. Okay, let's see. So it's aircraft. Oh yeah, that's what aircraft cable is. Okay, and um, clamps, and then uh, grommets. I also have a grommet, industrial strength grommet uh, machine. Okay, that takes it to the next level. I I, I just have to say I'm very excited about the grommet <laughs> machine, dude. And then you see it's got Velcro, and this particular one has a lot of other butcher bags and then a little thing, you know. Wow, so, that's pretty cool. What do you keep in there, cables and stuff? Or Right now, I keep other butcher bags and then uh, <laughs> I did make a case for my boom pole. That's, uh, I did make a case for my audio boom pole. Um, and then I made Oliver a couple uh, bags out of Cuban fiber that he can keep um, toys in and stuff. Hmm. Wow, yes. good for you. Um, thank you. I mean, I suck at it, and I'm okay with that. It's just fun to do. So here's my question. Can you make your own masks? Yeah, I, I certainly can, And I, uh, but I need elastic. All the fabric and elastic that I, I don't have elastic and all that. So I should be getting in elastic in a couple days. And um, and I have some shop towels, which I think I can make masks out of. And I, I have been experimenting, but you know, like I said, my my skills are so poor that uh, they the masks you couldn't wear them out, even if they were effective, you would terrify people. So <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. And it looks like some something out of a one of the Saw movies or or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are oh, yeah. lots of YouTube videos on how to make masks. So. No, I know, I know, and I, um, I do, I have watched them. But then, you know, like like the cooking shows, you're always missing some critical thing, <laughs> and I always improvise, and my improvisations always go south. So, it is what it is. I'm at peace with it. Yeah, I've got one N95 mask that I dug out of my garage I, I i used to be really into woodworking and i had uh, i had a huge i remember buying a huge box of like 50 of those N, n95s at one point and it might be around here somewhere 
but I yeah. could not find it. But uh, uh, but I did find one that was lightly used and but still smells like wood dust. Um, you can't uh, reuse them, right? They're disposable. Yeah. Well, they are, but they but you can use you can reuse them. Uh, I, I used to use them until they uh, kind of clogged up with sawdust and stuff. Then I'd throw them away. Um, but uh, yeah, this one is not clogged up and so I, I i just use it when i go to the grocery store i put put it on uh, I, but doesn't um how, can you wash it i mean i thought you were supposed to i thought they were disposable no i think that when yeah if you wash it you wreck it um but uh i yeah they're supposed they're they're disposed they are supposed to be a dis, just a disposable thing it used to be in the old days that uh pay, that doctors and nurses would uh, use them one for each patient, you know. So before they went into a, a contagious patient's room, they'd put one on, right. talk to the patient, or deal with the patient, and then throw it away once they got out of the room. Um, now they are using uh, one per day, um, and oh. now they're actually uh, doing um, uh uh, UV light treatments to to them and uh, uh, treating them so they can be used multiple times, um, but they, I mean they're still effective at at uh, at filtering out stuff for a long time. But uh, um, but you don't want that stuff to infect you. Like when you put the mask on again after right. you've used it with a you know you don't want to infect yourself, and so that's why they're treating them and um yeah anyway n95s there's a lot to be read about n95s on the internet also and uh so, so i i just what i've been doing with mine is after i go to the grocery store i spray it with uh with alcohol and uh just keep it in my car and uh where it's getting sunlight treatment uv treatment as well as the alcohol treatment <laughs> I mean, I suppose that, uh, you know, maybe 60% of the measures I'm taking are pure mythology and witchcraft. And, you know, of the remaining 40%, you know, uh, half of that is hand washing and then the other is just sensible precautions. But, you know, you, there's so much information out there that's wrong and it's hard to sort of get through um, especially when you're talking statistically what's risky, what's not risky. And we're learning more and more each day. So it's, it's a funny, funny game, funny numbers. Have you guys settled into uh, more of a copacetic place with this thing? I've, I, and I'm asking because I have, and it, it, it scares me in a way that I have become a lot more sort of lax than I, than I was. I, it, it was, I was washing, for instance, washing my hands 20 times a day, just e even when I didn't leave the house, you know, I'd just be walking around the house and washing my, and, and there's no chance of me being, nobody's been in my house. So I, I, there's, there was really no reason for it. It was more of a, uh, almost like a tick, um, uh, a soft, like a self-soothing yeah self-soothing activity yeah wash my hands wash my yeah and um i was even doing like what alcohol wipes in my ears and nose and eyes <laughs> 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 
like wipe. Yeah, it was like pathological. Yeah, it stings. It stings in your eyes. That's not good. (laughs) Well, you know what that's, you know, that speaks to me of Devo is your strong desire to live. Yes. I want to stay alive. Yes. You know what? Or cowardice. Let's be <laughs> that too. No, but um, yeah. So, how how about you guys? Have you uh, uh, kind of made some kind of peace with this thing? Are you uh, proceeding uh, stress at a str- low, lower stress level at this point, or what? Uh, I mean, I'd say there are peaks, you know, ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. Um, I think I've settled into a more regular practice. Um, I always wash my hands when coming in. I'm very careful about not touching my face. Oh, there, my camera just went. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. How about you, Fraves? Oh, well, um, I feel like the challenges uh, to adapt, of course. Um, I think the we talked about last week how the adrenaline is kind of gone and now there's more feelings. So I feel like this week I, um, I'm seeing the effect of it on McKenna more. Um, a day feels like a week and we are up and down, I have to say. Um, I think that now that I understand how dangerous this is, that my, I'm I'm conflicted because my urge is to relax our strict boundaries because we haven't gone into any stores. We've only had our groceries delivered. We're really, you know, there's very few people we're even social distancing with in terms of meeting at the park 10 feet apart. Like there's maybe three people. And um, my temptation is to say, I wanna go into the store. You know, I, I, I got this urban garden. Um, I'm so excited to be part of a community garden. We're kind of guerrilla gardening. Um, and I wanna get seeds and I wanna get a shovel and I, I, I have things that I wanna do. I'm feeling the tug of that. Um, and yet we go in uptown and people are crazy. They're not social distancing. No one's wearing masks. And I feel like I'm learning more and I have more information about how virulent this is and how dynamic this situation is and how long it's going to go on for. And when I think, you know, waves of infected, I think I don't want to be part of the second wave. I don't want to be part of the third wave. So then I think, holy shit, we're inside for the long haul. And then I get, um, you know, that's challenging. Yeah. Well, it's it's also challenging to your immune system and you, and we need to get out and we need to, uh, stay healthy and, and, and stay social somehow. Um, I mean, that's the challenge. We're going outside. We're going for walks. I mean, McKenna needs to kind of re-up that. Um, So I've got to do some leadership there to get her outside because the psychological reality of the fear 
of infection is weighing heavily on us. And yet we're doing yoga every day. We're doing, we're cooking really well, but I feel as if the ad adaptations that are required in this situation are kind of manifold and, 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 and revealing themselves as we go. You know, we're, we're the spaceship that's building itself as we go. So I, I, you know, I feel a lot of challenges every day. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised by things. I'm delighted by things, but I'm also, whew, yeah. I got some challenges over at Frable land. <sighs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like I, I actually, I feel pretty lucky living just in the location that I live in. Um, you know, I've got this pretty big house, just me in it. So it, even if I stay inside, I've got a lot of kind of room to ramble in here. Um, mm -hmm. And then I've got, I've, I live in a neighborhood that's not very dense. And so if I want to go for a walk, several times a day, I just go for a walk like around the block or I walk down, there's a little park uh, a block away. I go down there oh. and sit on a bench or whatever and um, read my book and and say hi to the people who are walking 20 feet from me and and see people throwing tennis balls for their dogs and stuff and and so I, I still feel like I'm sort of still in humanity mm -hmm. um, even though it's a little bit weird distance hands-off relationship with humanity and then i get to go over to kathy's house and it's usually mayhem over there and there's plenty of humanity to be had over there um yeah and then i've got you know some online life and chatting with people like your some like yourselves and um yeah i i personally i feel like i'm settling into a a, a better place with fewer panic panic attacks although i did have another near near miss the other night where just suddenly i started having kind of heart palpitations <laughs> just, oh, no. yeah the reality of this thing occasionally just settles on me and and it's heavy <laughs> right yeah pops you disappeared from the world where are you yeah. where's your face my brother can you hear me yeah, yeah, but that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know why the uh, video cut out. It's not the camera, so I'm not sure because it's not doing either camera. So it's just some weird Zoom thing. Can you leave the room and come back? I don't think I can leave the room without nixing this meeting, but I could, I could stop it and um, and start another meeting and send you an invite, but you'd lose my audio you guys would have to call back in yeah it seems like maybe it'll fix itself <laughs> that's my go-to <laughs> whatever we can yeah. voices yeah. are fine we we can we can fly blind yeah you're here i can imagine what pablo looks like i still I look as good as i looked the last time you saw me i remember his face <laughs> so cherubic <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a weird world. And then I just read this article the other day that said that uh, it was some psychologist saying 
it's likely that we will not remember what this time was like for very long after it's over with. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I give, we're, that's human beings. We just adapt and we forget. And that's, and forgetting is a big part of getting over trauma. You know, we don't, uh, yeah, there is, a uh, another, an article I read, um, after one of my breakups, recent breakups, uh, about, uh, a psychologist saying there is no such thing as closure. Um, there's only forgetting. (laughs) (laughs) Forgiveness is, is overrated and closure is, is non-existent. There is only forgetting. (laughs) I mean, that's the beautiful thing about getting older, right? Is you forget the terrible things and you highlight the good stuff and you rewrite your story as you go so that makes you a happier person. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge part of uh, recovering from any, any trauma is just kind of the edges wear off, the, the focus. Yeah, yeah, you get to polish your past. That's right. You get to rewrite your narrative. Yeah, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. That's right. I love that. <laughs> That's very funny. It's true. It's really great. Yeah. Well, I'm ex- I'm wondering, what are you guys excited by? Like, what in terms of? Uh, I keep thinking about how, you know, as as creatures, we thrive on variety, and now we're constricted into these spaces of um, limited choice. But yet, we need to be excited by things. It's part of life. What do you, is there anything that you're cultivating that you're interested in that you're excited by? Ooh, I got one. I got one. Um, okay. I think I, I mentioned this uh, in our last podcast, but I bought a, uh, a huge movie screen. Yeah, I was going to ask you, have you shown a movie yet? No, no, I haven't. But, uh, but I set up the whole thing uh, in my house the other day and, uh, um, it's freaking amazing. So another another thing I did is I thought I was uh, feeding the audio into um, a little uh, uh, a Bo- little Bose Bluetooth speaker that has pretty good sound, but uh, but only pretty good, especially for like if you were outside and and using that as your audio source. And I thought I should use one of my kick-ass PA speakers. I've got these big you know JBL uh, uh, PA speakers that sound just awesome. They amazing sound, and they're not that heavy. They're the modern speakers nowadays don't have big heavy magnets or big heavy wooden cabinets anymore. They're all super lightweight, and they're and the sound is is amazing. Um, and it turns out that my huge banging. Uh, PA speaker can be powered just fine with that little battery thing that I, uh, oh, really? I that little, yeah. That, that this, How long? For at least I had it powered. I had it going for um, half an hour and it only used 5% of the battery. So nice. you could cool. easily power the, that speaker for a whole movie. Um, okay. And so I'm going to set this thing up outside and it just sounds amazing. The bass is amazing. The sound is just fantastic. So 
my fantasy is that I'll be able to set this thing up someplace in my driveway or something and invite people over to sit far apart from each other and I'll watch a movie together. Oh, what's your, okay. Ideal movie for that first summer popcorn filled evening under the stars. Well, I, w- I was thinking this is Pixar, something Pixar. Just because those are so funny and and so and and all ages, and I would imagine that some of my friends would want to bring their kids, and this and it's something, something family or oriented is what I've had in, had in mind, or what what's in my fantasy. Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, that would that would definitely uh, uh, push the speakers. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. That sounds wonderful, Dave. Yeah, yeah. So that, that would you play will a set someday. of music first? Just play what? To, would you play a set of music first? Thinking back to the old Loring Park Monday night. Oh right, series. yeah. There could be a little dance party, a little dance component to it. That would be super fun. So sweet. Hey, are you guys doing club quarantine at night at all? With no. What's that? D-Nice is a DJ in Brooklyn, and he's started Instagram Live um, DJing, and it is such good music, and he's so good, and it's become kind of a thing. And um, Okay, you know, I'm going to write this down. People like Oprah and Halle Berry and Michelle Obama dropping by, and it's, and it's fun. You get to see the feed of who's in the room, in quotes, of course. Plus, it's just like, oh, it's so nice at the end of the day to just kind of go out to the mellow club and dance in your living room. <laughs> okay, so it's called Club Quarantine, and it's at what time? Uh, he, I, I can't remember. And what's the DJ's name? His name is Denice. Like- so, so, so his at D-N-I-C-E, and... Um, it's great. He's very good. At D, is it like an apostrophe? And I, what? Nope. It's D and a dash. N I C E. And it'll come D, up because he's got a, nice. like two million followers. So it's like, um, yeah, it's really, he's doing a great job and it's, it's really cool. Okay. I'll check that out. It's to move your body in terms of exercise. Plus, it provides a different vibe. Yes. I've been working on. Uh, extending my dance playlist, and I occasionally do that. I have a mirror in my in my living room. I'm I'm trying to learn how to dance like a normal, non embarrassing person. <laughs> Are you going to be posting these uh, sessions up on YouTube? <laughs> Not anytime soon, but <laughs> I'm getting good. It's, it's, so one thing I've I've realized about my my living room dancing is that I do a lot of dramatic stuff with my legs and hips, which is kind of conduct on unbecoming to a 58 year old dad. I would like you to name your next book. I do a lot of wild and whatever you said, dramatic, dramatic things with my hips. I would like you to name your next (laughs) the Dave Capel story, my memoir, Mm -hmm. The title of them. The Lifetime Movie. <laughs> yeah. What's he doing with his hips? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> you guys ever had a documentary done of um, magnetic poetry? Uh, sort of. And there was a, well, yeah, Jay, one of our employees did a, did sort of a, a, a little documentary for my, um, for my birthday one year. Um, and it was, it was our 10 year anniversary actually. Yeah. Um, and now we're like at 27 years. Uh, so it, I would have thought they would have done a Minnesota original about you. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, I mean, there's been some TV stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's been, is there one? Is there a Minnesota original? Uh, no. Yet? Huh. No. No. No to self. Yeah. Um, but there was a uh, uh, CBS Sunday morning thing right. a couple of years ago. Nice. Yeah, that was nice. Faith Saley came over to my house, hung out for a day. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'm thinking about getting a new camera, and I want to shoot a bunch of stuff with it. So if you're ever interested in doing like a little mini doc, let me know. I, that that would be freaking awesome yes and and it would be especially awesome because i i would love to see what your workflow is like yeah for sure um because you know one of the things i've realized I, I take a lot of pictures and uh in the interest of documentation but um i went back and went down sort of an elf hole on uh memory lane nostalgia uh i was thinking back on my brazil after after my divorce i went down to brazil and hung out with jim jim clifford used to go and live in brazil for three months a year and uh uh i went down after my divorce i went out down and joined him in his apartment and and stayed there for a month and uh uh and i was looking through the pictures of that and 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 they're all wonderful they're they're powerful, but the most powerful was the video and actually being able to see and hear people's voices, how uh, voices have changed. And, and, yeah. to, and it was so, the video was so much more powerful. And I, I wished so much that I had shot more video. Oh, video yeah. is so much strong, more visceral. Well, it depends. I, I think it depends. I think the, for me, it's the audio with the image that matters. And mm -hmm. if you have mm -hmm. images, that's great. But it's great to have audio with that. Yes. The great thing about video is it's audio and video. You know, it's audio and images tied in together. But I think uh, still images and audio can also be super effective. Yeah, I've stills with audio, huh? Yeah, you know, like a sort of Ken Burns kind of a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Huh. Have you guys ever seen motion poems? Oh yeah, yeah. What? It's called motion poetry, I guess. Todd Boss's project, and yeah, the Todd sure. Boss used to work for Magnetic Poetry. He he used to do uh, PR for us. Really? Yeah. I I really like his poetry. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah, I like him. He was uh, <laughs> he was just a kid when he was working for us, and he was so enthusiastic that it was, it, it was almost a little bit hard to take. Like his, his energy and enthusiasm <laughs> level was so high <laughs> that he, he was like awesome. a little puppy dog that was just boundless energy. Um, 
He's an enthusiast. Yeah, yes, he's an enthusiast. Um, I, I would imagine he's probably still the same way. Is he a dad now? I, do, do you know I him at all? Or? Three children? No, two children. He's, wow. uh, I think he's living life in Arizona after um, he was house-sitting all over the world. Cool. That was his job, was to be a poet and a documentarian and uh he's a pretty good photographer and yeah now i think he's uh post-divorce kind of moved on to a new life for himself did you know him i did not know him i briefly had coffee with him one time and he was friends and neighbors with friends of mine and and i liked his poetry um, but I didn't really know, know him. I just kind of knew him. I'm going to yeah. write that down. I'm going to reconnect with that guy. Uh, motion poems. Yeah. And he's Todd on Instagram. Boss. Yeah. He's toddbosspoet.com. He's, you know, he's a lovely guy. And yeah, he is a lovely guy. And I, uh, I appreciate him, I guess. Okay. I'm going to take that as a recommendation from Frabes. Motion poems. That, that's true motion poems and yeah okay we're on to the recommendations uh portion of our podcast um i'm reading and i may have said this last week a book by barry lopez called horizons Mm. it's uh it's it's good it's very good it's a it's a guy's kind of travel memoirs and thoughts and the guy's the, the the only thing that's a little bit off-putting about it for me is that I consider myself a well-traveled guy. This guy has been fucking everywhere. It's it, it I I've got travel envy. Um cuz he has and it, not only has he been everywhere, but it, like he'll he'll go to a place and then research out like the history history of it a thousand years ago and go to some rock that nobody go that he needs to take camels to find and and yeah it's kind of over the top um but uh but interesting nevertheless what about you pops have you got any recommendations my friend oh love yourself more love others more that's my recommendations love more that's it i mean uh i watched devs did i tell you that oh my god i'm re i'm watching that right now yeah that's it's awesome oh my god so intense holy shit yeah i had i had some mixed feelings and i don't want to do any spoilers for you but uh on for the most part i i really enjoyed it yeah i've watched Um, two episodes and uh and it's got it's dark yeah it's a bit it's a bit dark it's uh but I liked it. Um, I don't know that I would, I mean, if you're a sci-fi fan, uh, you know, it's, you should watch it. The same guy that did, I think Alex Garland, he did Ex Machina and, um, and Annihilation, which I really liked. I, I like both of those. So this is not as heavy hitting as those in my opinion, but still totally entertaining from a shut in perspective. And um, what else? Yeah, what was the other the other day? You had a very important uh, show that four hours of viewing that you were about to do. You had devs, but then there was another one that you were watching. There was. 
Yeah, you I said don't. that you said that you'd just wash four hours and you're about to do another four hours. Oh, I don't know. That might have been a bad joke. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or it might have been devs. It might have been Tevs that I was talking about. Yeah, you were uh, about to do de- go into devs, you said. Yeah. Or you were yeah. in in devs. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't it's all a blur. Yeah. Uh uh, I have a recommendation. TV? No. Uh. I mean, I guess my recommendation is to be okay being sad about this. And I know that's kind of a feely kind of thingy recommendation, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like in order to feel the surprise and delight and the vitality of what's available in this constricted situation, like denial isn't our friend. At least it hasn't been mine. I feel like the more I deny how occasionally sad I feel, yeah. the more it surprises me. It like comes around the corner and fucking slays me on the floor. And then I can't really, I mean, I think part of my adaptation is that I just have to really take it in and not protect myself so much from how different things are, how sudden it was, how traumatic it is, and how um, much resilience I have to grow. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, and... I think I've said this before, but I think that, and, and actually Esther Perel just said this in the New York times. She had a lovely little video, um, that I posted about to my Facebook page. Um, uh, and, and she was saying what I have been saying, which is that we're, this is, we're going through the, the phases of mourning. Um, yeah. we're uh, the phases of grief and, uh, and just like going through, grief we these things pop up the anger the denial the all those other things whatever they're um and uh yeah there's nothing to do but go through it you have you you can't you can't deny it you just have to go through it and uh and kind of settle into it and uh yeah and feel the dimensionality of it because it's a different kind of grief because it 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 encompasses our world yeah. It's so um our life we're we're grieving our lives, our past lives. Our our whole world view and every yeah, the the hugeness of life is uh, ev- everything has changed. Everything's gone kind of. Some no. parts of it I don't miss to be honest. Like what? Some parts of the sort of obligation of social something that I don't miss, not saying socializing with friends, but the obligation to, you know, I don't know, get outside yourself, participate in things. Um, I mean, in general, I really like that. Oh, I think we lost graves, but, um, but yeah, something something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I think I know what you mean. It's um. It's not a strong feeling. It's just I never would have noticed that I liked it. Um, you know, 
I never would have noticed that I liked it yeah. if it weren't if it weren't for this situation. Yeah. There's uh have you ever heard of the the idler? Uh uh-uh. uh. Um I think it's a, a guy named Tom Hodgkinson who uh is a English guy who uh uh wrote he has a magazine called The Idler and um uh has also uh written a Idler's Manifesto, which he then uh, expanded into a whole book, How to Be, How to Be Idle, mm-hmm. um, and another book called How to Be Free. Um, but his uh, his sort of bedrock philosophy is that we are society pressures us way too much into into doing stuff and into being productive, and that when we actually think about like when we fantasize about our happy place most of us fantasize about something like laying on a beach and doing nothing or being in a hammock and just looking at a cloud float by or most of us fantasize about being idle yeah and so why not be idle more (laughs) um and and do it now while while you're alive and and not feel guilty about not going outside on a beautiful day. Just laying, if you feel like laying on your couch, lay on your goddamn couch. And, right. And play a couple of chords on your ukulele and think and read a couple of paragraphs in your book and take a nap and eat a cookie. You know, that's life. That's living, you know, and um, just allow yourself that. And, uh, I love it, and and so and this this whole thing has has made an idling lifestyle acceptable suddenly, and a lot of us are finding that it's pretty nice. It's pleasant to to be idle. <laughs> yeah, some some parts of it are. Yeah, yeah. Is Frave's back? Yes, I'm back. Oh, there I'm you back. Go. I don't know what happened. Hey, speaking of being idle, there's a wonderful Instagram account called the nap ministry it contextualizes that in the um uh in the realm of racial and social justice so that's a beautiful thing too i like that the nap philosophy the nap ministry nap like taking a nap yeah the nap ministry i mean the the basically it's the the point of view is that um I don't know. Just go to it. I can't encapsulate the point of view. Okay. Okay. I'm that's. Sorry. I'm going to write that down as a. I, I don't want to diminish it because it's actually really beautiful and profound, but it's really it's for people of color basically. Except I benefit from it. Why? I I don't. What's the connection between naps and people of color? Well, think about what we're talking about because we're like lazy know, laziness or. No, we're white middle class people. We have the uh, uh, what is idle to us is different. This is, um, you know, the Nat Ministry. The, it, there, it says. I went to the website. It says we examine the liberating power of naps. We believe rest is a form of resistance and reparation. And um, it's it's uh, it's beautifully contextualized in the realm of racial justice and social justice. Um, I object to being called middle class. I don't think that that captures the 
dimensionality of my class uh, evolution. Oh, wow. Cool. Talk more about that. No, no. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I, I feel this is a slippery slope. <laughs> I know. It is. It is. Oh, well, here we are. One hour, 12 minutes. Probably about time okay. to wrap it up here. Okay. I love you guys. I sure love you guys, and it's great. I look forward to seeing your lovely faces. Sorry, my camera cut out. I'm not sure why. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's... Um, Next time, let's go for good audio. Let's all have our separate recording devices and then yeah. mail to me, and I'm going to mix them together, and we're going to have good yeah. audio. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds That's good. That's the least we can provide to our audience. That's right. <laughs> I mean, come on. Our you mean beyond the scintillating conversation? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. All right. But, um, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, it, it it's is. a gesture of love. It is a gesture of love and presence. Here, here. Okay. Well, where's my, okay. Here's did my, you find your button, Dave? I did. Okay. <laughs> All right. Love you. All right. Love you guys. Peace. Nice. Hey, are we going to stay on?